Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this video, Grace Harvest Church family. It's really good to be with you, though I have to say I'm pretty much done with this video presentation, but it's really good to be with you. And uh, before I get into my message, I just want to remind you that next Sunday, June the 21st, we're going to be having an outside gathering on the side of the building out here, and I'm really excited to see you. I can't wait to see you, worship with you, apply the scripture together, minister to one another, and I'm just believing God to pour out his Holy Spirit on that time. Will you be praying with us that our first gathering back together next Sunday at 9 and at 10.30 would be a really powerful time? Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you from my heart. I have a message that has really come out of a burden uh, inside of me because of the things going on within our country, within our world. And my message today is called, Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Blessed Are the Peacemakers. My key scripture text today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And I'm going to read from both the English Standard Version and the New Living Translation. The English Standard Version says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The New Living Translation says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Now, if you know anything about this text, this text is right in the middle, or right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right in the middle of the Beatitudes. That word beatitude means blessed. It speaks of a state of being happy and joyful and being content within yourself. And we learn through that entire text that we're blessed if we're merciful and we're blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and the merciful shall receive mercy. And we we learn about all these blessed states that we can be in. And what Jesus is really showing us in the Sermon on the Mount, which incidentally is probably the greatest sermon ever preached in history, uh, at least that we have recorded, what he is showing us is this is what life in God's kingdom looks like. This is what life, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit looks like. So the spirit-filled life where the kingdom of heaven has come to earth and has possessed a man or woman and leads them through their life, when that kind of life is operating, this is the reality. And he starts out by giving us all these blessings and he tells us here that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be the sons of God. They shall be called the sons of God. That word peacemaker means a mediator who tries to bring about harmonious relations between two opposing parties. The New American Commentary says of peacemakers that peacemakers focus on interpersonal relationships. Those who work for shalom, that is peace, and who reconcile others to God and each other will be called sons of God. Others will identify them as God's true ambassadors 
as those who are being conformed to his likeness. I wrote down here, this text could also be translated, blessed, happy, and joyful are the peacemakers, the peace builders, and the reconcilers, for they shall be called sons, mature family representatives, and those like their father in character. See, what Jesus is saying is, when you and I are peacemaking, when we're between two warring parties, two people or two groups in opposition to one another, when we're between them and we're saying to both of them, stop for a minute, listen for a minute, you speak, you listen, and after that's done, you speak, you listen, now let's find a way to reconcile you. When we're stopping them from being in anger, hatred, or committing violence against one another, we're standing in the middle. And you know, I've come to learn in my own life that standing in the middle between two warring parties can be very dangerous. I can't tell you the number of times doing marital counseling where each person in the couple, each partner, kind of expected me to get on their team and take their side. And instead, I've tried to be objective and bring them together. And you end up with both of them mad at you. And if you've ever tried to be a peacemaker and bring people together, you know that's the truth. I remember, um, you know, being a kid and a teenager growing up, hanging out with my friends, and sometimes they would jokingly come up to me. They'd both run up to me, and then one of them would say, let's have a fight between us. And what they meant was I was between them, and then they both start kind of hitting on me, and I'm, you know, I'm getting punched from both sides. And the idea is when you're in the middle, trying your best to bring people together, you're going to end up hurt. And yet Jesus calls us to this. He calls us to this because there are times when people will be reconciled. Peacemakers help people get reconciled with God. And they help people get reconciled with each other. You can see why the cross is such an appropriate symbol with its vertical beam and its horizontal beam reconciling us to God and to each other. You can see how the peacemaker picture is cruciform me standing here with my arms held out, trying to hold warring parties away from each other long enough to hear each other. That's what we're called to. And the scripture says that when we do that, we are representing our Father. We're sons and daughters. We're mature family representatives. We're most like the spiritual DNA of our God and of our brother, Jesus. Jesus is called our brother in the book of Hebrews. And what did Jesus do? He came and reconciled us to God and each other in his cross. And when we stretch out our arms to try to bring people together, we are demonstrating the life of the cross. And that's a peacemaker. And the scripture says that you're blessed when you're a peacemaker. Now, unfortunately... We live in a time uh, of great contrast to that. We live in a time of war, not of peace. Psalms 120, verses 6 and 7, really captures the time we live in. It says this, Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that on social media. I'm seeing that on TV. I'm hearing that in the rhetoric happening in our country right now around issues like COVID-19 and race and 
It's a, it's a time when we desperately need brothers and sisters, people like you, to step up and be the peacemaker. Not, not a peacekeeper. There's a difference. A peacekeeper is peace at all costs. Let's you know, walk on eggshells. That's not what peacemakers do. Peacemakers bring people to the table and really give the opportunity for them to express their disagreement, their opinions, their feelings, their hurts, where they feel like they have been violated. But then they work toward forgiveness and bringing people together. It's a really, really powerful picture of the nature of God. Now, I want to talk to you today in this message about two characteristics of a peacemaker. You know, I have actually many more characteristics I'd like to share with you, but I can only get two of them in today. So I want you to think about this and apply this to your life. Two characteristics of a peacemaker. The first characteristic is this. Peacemakers don't divide the world into us versus them. Peacemakers don't divide the world into us versus them. Think about these texts for a minute and how they bring us all into the same boat. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Luke chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus telling the parable of the lost sheep. He says this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? What does this tell us? This shows us that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in his death, his burial, his reconciliation, his death, burial, and resurrection for reconciliation of us with God and with each other, that that good news, that gospel, declares that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God's perfect glory. And the scripture makes it clear that actually we deserve judgment. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve to be separated from God for eternity and eternal death. That's what we deserve, and that's what we had coming to us before Christ came. But what did Christ do? He laid in the gap on a cross. He bridged heaven and earth. That great chasm between heaven and earth was bridged with Jesus Christ on the cross, and he reconciled us to God. And so all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is human nature without God. Secondly, the gospel doesn't divide the world into good guys versus bad guys. But it divides the world into lost and found. Sinners and redeemed sinners. And that's really important because a lot of times, you know, as Americans, we have a tendency to see ourselves as the good guys and the rest of the world that's after us is the bad guys. And we'll talk sometimes, he's a good guy and that's a bad guy. And we'll classify and put people into groups and we'll determine we're good guys and they're bad guys. We're Republicans, they're Democrats. We're good, they're bad. We're Democrats, they're Republicans. We're good, they're bad. We're you know liberal, conservative, progressive, whatever label you apply, sometimes black, 
white, brown, whatever terminology you want to use, we as human beings, part of our fallen nature is to see the world in terms of us versus them and good guys and bad guys. And the gospel declares that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve judgment. And so we have to really kind of rethink things, right? When we come to the foot of the cross, it's even. Nobody is above anybody else. And it's there that we repent and turn to God and follow him. The gospel compels the found to reach the lost and the redeemed, the redeemed sinners to reach sinners. Think about that. That's what the gospel compels us to do. So even our view of the lost, those people over there, the bad guys, what's the scripture compel us to do? It compels us to reach the bad guys because we used to be a bad guy or bad girl. And now we're called to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell them that, hey, Jesus died for that. He died to redeem you, to reconcile you. You know, I love, uh, I love this story that a pastor friend of mine just uh, posted on Facebook today. I read it today. Pastor David Kaler has a little boy that's five years old named Theo. And Theo had the opportunity to meet a new dog. And as he met this new dog, he had a revelation and he shared it with his daddy. And it's really appropriate for right now. He said, Daddy, after I played with the dog, his teeth got smaller and smaller. <laughs> and, and, and David shared on Facebook, that, that is a, there's a message in there for us. After this little boy saw, when he initially saw this dog, this dog was scary to him and had sharp, big teeth. And he, you know, he was kind of threatened by this dog. But after he was told by his daddy, it's okay. And he started playing with the dog in his mind's eye, those teeth shrunk. And, and some of the very people that we feel threatened by and afraid of, if we would take the time to sit across the table from them, and speak with them and hear their story. Not feel the need to have to tell them what's right and what's wrong and the way it should be, but just actually sit down with them and listen to them and ask them, tell me about your life, tell me your story, tell me your pain. On the issue of racism, it's really important. We right now need to listen to what our African-American brothers and sisters are saying across this country. And everybody's out there giving their opinion and posting statistics and data. It's time to put that stuff aside for a little bit and to hear the stories of individual people who've experienced the pain and the rejection of racism and the injustice of racism have even experienced seeing people die in their own families. It's time for us to listen and to experience and then to work toward reconciliation. And we might find the people right now that seem most threatening to us are not threatening at all. They're just like us. They're human. They're people, right? And that takes me to the second point. And that really is a great segue. And that is that peacemakers challenge us to be known by our love. Frederica Matthews Green, in her book, The First Fruits of Prayer, shares this. The main evidence that we are growing in Christ is not exhilarating prayer experiences. You could add worship experiences or all the works that we do. But the main evidence that we are growing in Christ is steadily increasing humble love for other people. You want to know if you're growing, you want to check your maturity meter. That maturity meter will show you growth by your ability to love other people, especially people not like you. 
especially people that threaten you. What did Jesus have to say about this? John chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 says this, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Listen to this. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about how profound that is. The greatest witness we have to the world around us is our love for one another. But he doesn't let us off the hook with our love for one another or our love with, for our neighbor that um, uh, agrees with us or sees the world the way we do or is the same color that we are or the same political affiliation that we are. He doesn't let us off the hook there because then he goes on to say something so profound and something that obviously needs the miraculous power of God. Luke 6, 27 and 28 and verses 35 and 36, Jesus says this, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. That can be translated daughters too. It means mature um, image bearer, right? You will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So think about this. As I wrap this up, think about this. So we're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. And the way we often demonstrate our love for God is the way we love others because love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself is not two commandments, but it's two sides of one coin. It's one commandment. Love God, love neighbor is one. They're, they're, they're tied together. They can't operate one without the other. You cannot say you love God and then not love your neighbor. If you don't love your neighbor, it demonstrates you don't really love God. And so we're called to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're called to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Whew, that's a challenge. We're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And we love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We make sure we're comfortable and well-fed and, and cared for and clothed. We, t we take care of these bodies. And, and then lastly, we're called to love our enemies and pray for them. We are not called to curse our enemies, to call our enemies names, to mock them online or use disparaging remarks against them. We're not called to consider entire groups of people beyond help or reprobate. You know, some people, they, they speak about others like they're beyond reaching, they're beyond salvation, they're beyond God. We don't know any man's heart. And so who are we to determine who's in and who's out? We're called to love. So, you know, we're called to love and pray for people, and we're called to be peacemakers. And peacemakers don't divide the world into us versus them, and they are to be known by their love. And I hope that we can be peacemakers. I want to end with a poem today that I wrote a few years ago when we were dealing with racial 
conflict and unrest at that time. It's called Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the waymakers. They are the hard-hearted breakers. They are hated by the side-takers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the anger-killers. They are the race-reconcilers. They are the bridge-builders. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the justice-seekers. They are the mercy-givers. They are the broken-hearted healers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are becoming like Jesus, suffering for the sake of others, loving to the point of pain, dying so others may live again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the true sons and daughters of God. Amen. Let's be peacemakers, church. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, and I pray that you would use all of us during this time to demonstrate your kingdom and to be peacemakers. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody out there that is not at peace with you, anybody that doesn't know you, anybody that's at war with you, angry with you, anybody that's out there right now um, resisting your Holy Spirit, I pray that they would see that Jesus, you died on a cross that you stretched out your arms between warring parties, them and you, and you brought them back to their father. I pray, Lord, that people would come to know you through this. And I pray that you would reconcile broken relationships, reconcile us one to another, and that your gospel would go forth in this land and bring a great move of your spirit and a great revival. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my church family. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. Go with God, he goes with you.